Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Can you hear me? <laughs> Hold on. Uh, good evening, good evening. Welcome to another edition of the Searport. Hold on, I'm going to check on my sound here real quick. Gentlemen, can you hear? Yes, we are good with sound. All right, thank you guys for that uh, unprofessional tech check uh, once we were live. But anyhow, thank you all for joining us for another episode of the C Report. I am your host, Mr. C, and today is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022, and uh, welcome to the show. Uh, got a good show lined up ahead for you guys. Let me just uh, finish getting myself set up here. Uh, I was checking out the uh, video replay over at Spotify. Now, I'm not pushing Spotify, but what I am saying is, eh, it was different, you know? I mean, it's no different than watching, like, a live stream, but um, something's coming in. Oh, hold on. I have news. Foxhole is not working. I got Foxhole up on my side, plus a couple of people hanging out. What's going on? Hey, Tam Growl. Um, and uh, so here. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll get to work in on your end over there, Disco Ball Chaser. But uh, I, I got all all green light over here. In fact, we are live at the foxhole.app, at pill.net, at clouthub, at rumble, at trovo, at twitch, at dlive, at odyssey, and clouthub. Did I say clouthub? I might have said clouthub. But anyways, guys, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome, welcome in. Uh, to um, Mr. CTV's America First new show, The Sea Report. I do this uh, every night at 7.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. And then, of course, um, we do Lone Star News during the day. A lot of different shows come out here on Mr. CTV. And as the audience is expanding and growing, you know, I just want to go ahead and give some of those, you know, signals that so people can figure out what's going on. That way they're not confused and stuff like that. Not that they would be. You know, obviously, you got a show that's Texas centric, and then you got a show that's uh, about election news, and then you got a show that's about like woo woo stuff. So obviously, they're clearly compartmentalized and different shows. But you know, um, you know what I've been saying is uh, subscribe or follow the channel for about a week or so, and uh, give us a shot, see if you like it or not. Um, actually, I've been picking up more subscribers that way, but watch they all fall off later on. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but uh, thank you all for joining us either way as well, and also subscribing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, as, as far as what I was saying in regard to uh, the um, live streaming on Spotify, so just to clarify, I mentioned it a little bit yesterday, uh, that um, I've begun streaming all of the shows uh, on Spotify with the actual live stream, you know, because uh, what I used to do is I would upload the podcast um, version after the show was live. And uh, well, now if you're on Spotify, you can actually see the show. So that's kind of cool. I guess that's like a fifth place to check us out. Uh, and then, um, of course, uh, you can always get the podcast version of the show, which is just the audio. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we have a pretty good following over there. We're available on multiple um, podcast platforms. So I'd say like pick your favorite podcast platform. Look for the C-Report just in case you don't get to catch a live stream or just in case you're driving one of these days. You know, it's better to keep your eyes on the road 
and your ears in the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys. So just uh, wanted to share that bit of information with you guys. And then I was also meaning to uh, share with you guys about, um, I think I mentioned it yesterday. I think on both shows I mentioned it, but um, we'll be um, soon live streaming to yet another platform. Wow. So the show's expanding. Um, and I've been telling you guys about that for a minute. So, I mean, they're almost ready to go. Um, as far as uh, the actual, I guess, grand opening of uh, the platform, if you want to call it that. Uh, but it's called Quix, Quix TV. So uh, you'll be able to catch uh, the C-Report and uh, all the shows that we do here at Mr. CTV on the big screen. Well, you can do that with Rumble right now anyways. Like uh, if you have a Rumble on Roku, you can check out the C-Report there which is uh, pretty cool, you know, if you like to do that, uh, you know, kick back on your sofa or your recliner and, uh, you know, have a nice hot cocoa or a, a nice cold beer and just watch the sea report Watch this uh, bald potato head go on and on and on about well-curated news stories worth sharing, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed, indeed. So uh, excellent, excellent. And... Uh, I'll let you guys know more information on Quix. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Uh, you can go to Quix.tv, I think, if you want more information on that. And then, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll let you guys know soon as the launch date is available. And uh, we'll have Mr. CTV on Quix TV as well. So that's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to do that and get that up and going. So ever-expanding, ever-growing, ladies and gentlemen... And, uh, well, you know, we had a bunch of interesting um, news stories for tonight. Uh, a couple of, how would you say, welcome back, Tam Growl. A couple of, how would you say, um, peculiar ones. You know, uh, uh, the kind of news stories that, you know, <laughs> you either have to guffaw at or you just have to be like, what, really, you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure all of you guys saw the um, remarkably embarrassing um, conversation, if you want to call it that, with Don Lemon of CNN. Now, you know, I know I've been making cracks at um, ye old dead lizard queen, ladies and gentlemen, since she died. You know, actually since before she died. But um, when you take it to... I should say when you take it as seriously as Don Lemon does about reparations that the queen and the royal family should pay out to, you know, all of the uh, relatives of slaves, you better know your history, okay? Uh, because he got whooped, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, serves him right too. You know, President Trump actually has a truth about Don Lemon, so... I would guess, based on President Trump's statement about Don Lemon of CNN, that maybe it was his comment on the Queen and reparations that got him fired. I don't know. I actually did not dig that deep into the story because I really don't. But I thought that was very, very funny, you know. And so uh, if he is, in fact, fired, you know. I could look it up or just someone shoot me a message over there in the uh, chat room. Uh, I would say it's because of that. But, you know, you know, he was fired. You know why? Because there was an article attached to that truth statement. And uh, I think the article 
the reparations jolt indeed. <laughs> that was wow. You know, I didn't even have to watch it. I just read her statements, uh, the uh, statements of the, I don't know what she was like a Royal something or other and, or a British something or other. And uh, <laughs> I was like, dang, Don Lamont, you know, are you going to make the uh, African, uh, what, what, what tribe leaders pay reparations for enslaving their own people and leaving them on the beach in cages so that uh, they could get picked up by the English who are no longer coming to enslave them. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that's that's pretty. She, I mean, she handed it to him, guys. You know, she handed it to him. But that's what happens when you mix ideologies. You know, I, I would say, I guess, whether they're radical or not. But when you mix ideologies with uh, either a lack or an ignorance of history, uh, or, you know, but it's all, it's all weaponized, though. That's the thing. And that's why they don't even care to check themselves, because they just know they're going on the attack. And they feel that they have the righteous upper hand, right? And so that's what they do, you know? They make up their own histories. They omit or they uh, um, exclude certain, you know, elements or facts, you know? I mean, I don't think Don Lamont could have expected that that woman would have gone that far back into history. You thought she would have left off with, uh, you know, the British uh, kingdom was the first, uh, you know, like, country, nation, whatever, to abolish slavery, right? You, you would have thought she would have left off there. It was like, what, 1806 or 1807? And instead, she's like, no, why don't we have the African tribes leaders who enslaved their own people pay reparations as well? And uh, how about all of the British uh, um, uh, military who perished fighting to end slavery? So Don Lamont, shut up. <laughs> Oh, Don Lamont, you know, I don't know. I, I seriously, seriously, I cringe when I think that there are people out there that actually look up to him as a role model and a respectable newscaster, journalist, reporter. I mean, we all know he's not that, guys. You know, we all know none of them are. And they're all slowly... I wouldn't say that they're jumping ship over at CNN. I would say that they're being ejected, right? They're being thrown overboard, guys. <laughs> it's like Don Lamont go pew, you know, Brian Stelter go pew. They're just, they're there. When are they going to get rid of Anderson Cooper? That's what I want to know. Maybe someone will bust out with a photograph of Anderson Cooper dressed like one of those um, full body latex puppies, right? Just kidding, guys. It probably wasn't that. It was probably just like, uh, I don't know, like a, a collar and a harness or something like that. But anyways, with the leather jockstrap. All right, guys, I told you. You know, back in 2008, when I was scarcely political, I was already awakened, right? Like I was already awake. I was aware. I already pretty much knew where I stood to the point of having awkward conversations with strangers who made assumptions about what I believed and uh, what I thought about society based on my, oh wait, now I sound like a fricking SJW, but based on my uh, heritage, my nationality, my skin color, my race, whatever, my ethnicity. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Ethnicity. Okay. Not race. We are the human race. 
It's not the Caucasian race. It's not the Hispanic race, but they are ethnicities, right? So based on my ethnicity, she thought I was a Democrat, right? And I was like, well, you know, I was at work when she was having this conversation with me. So I just played stupid. Plus, you know, I mean, I wasn't about to have some type of, um, you know, political debate at my job. Um, I worked for tips, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. You guys, speaking of that, that reminds me of another time when I was still working for tips. And boy, when they found out my political point of view or where I stood, man. That was harsh treatment, guys. But it was the um, it was the uh, academia and the academic elitists of San Antonio, stuff like that. Anyways, not worth the time. Sorry, I diverted into that little uh, uh, story, guys. But uh, getting back onto the point, uh, ladies and gentlemen, which uh, is quickly evading me. It's eluding me. Uh, but anyhow, okay. So as we were talking about, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> With these uh with these elections and stuff. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So the point, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize. I had a uh ambulance passing by. The point, ladies and gentlemen, was that even back then in 2008, even though I didn't really have a huge opinion of people like Anderson Cooper, I knew he was a freak, ladies and gentlemen. I knew he was a freak. <laughs> and that was the point of that. Anyways, okay, so closed all those circles. What's going on, Monsieur Baez? How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Monsieur Baez, how romantic. Monsieur Baez says, I would be a slave to a beautiful lady. <laughs> Good evening, sir. How are you doing tonight? Glad to have you with us over at Twitch. Thank you for keeping the lights on. Monsieur Baez. All right. Uh, let's see here. What is, uh, let me just see what, let me see what's going on here. There's more slavery today than there ever apparently. But you know, actually, Monsieur Baez, we are all debt slaves. So yeah, there is more slavery. And then, you know, there's the other types of slavery, like human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, um, forced labor, child labor. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure somewhere in the world, there's probably still serfs and all that stuff. But uh, the debt slavery, Monsieur Baez, I think, interesting enough, um, the debt slavery is the slavery I think everyone does not realize or even know that it's going on. You know, you know, I saw an article today that said that since Biden was in office, the dollar, whatever spending power it had when he first assumed residency, okay, because um, we all know that the dollar's really like what worth like 90. I'm going to be nice. It's like worth 95678% of what it used to be or it's it's lost that much value. I take it back, but it, it's it's got a very small percentage of value uh compared to the purchasing power it should have had when it was uh backed by a sound currency and it wasn't an empty fiat that was constantly eating out its own insides, ladies and gentlemen. 
But since Biden has assumed residence in the White House or wherever it is he's staying these days, you know, um, it's only the purchasing power of the dollar currently today is 88 cents compared to when he assumed residency, ladies and gentlemen. That is how quickly they are inflating our money. I mean, and that is debt slavery because, of course, inflation is a hidden tax and all tax is theft, ladies and gentlemen. You know, if we don't have a choice, I would say it's theft. Um, I mean, I know that sounds unrealistic to some skeptical people, but I am willing to believe that people who are proud of their country and want to live a good life and for the community as well would pay their taxes willingly. Maybe not all of them, maybe not like what we have today, obviously, but you know, maybe just enough to get the roads paved and the schools funded. Well, actually the children will be funded now. So that's a good thing, at least hopefully in Texas. Right. But, um, you know, the policemen paid the firemen with, you know, their equipment and stuff like that. Anyhow, guys, well, thank you, Monsieur Baez, for that interesting segue. Yep, 90%. It's 88%. Yeah, it's lost 90% of its value since the Federal Reserve Central Bank um, snuck back into the system and fooled everyone into thinking they were a federal agency. And the dollar can only purchase 88 cents compared to what it could when Biden assumed residency. Isn't that a striking figure, y'all? So anyhow... Yeah, I read that today. And then, of course, you know, the other um, crazy story is about this uh, Democrat gone mad that killed a teenager, okay, who was a Trump supporter. That was insane. I was like, you know, they talk about how dangerous we are for questioning the integrity of elections. Okay, and we got a story coming up on that tonight, guys. Okay, in case you were not aware, the DOJ is not just conducting an investigation into Mar-a-Lago and these documents, and you know, then you have this whole January sixth unselect false flag uh, Capitol riot committee thing, right? They're also conducting an investigation into post-election challenges, okay? A new subpoena just came out. Oh, actually, it came out within the month. And uh, yeah, it, it, they are going to be actively pursuing criminal investigations against people who questioned the integrity of the 2020 election. So that should be a fun time, right? You know, and so we have the Democrats, you know, saying that, we're the extremists. I mean, it's not just the Democrats, honestly. It's like the entire federal government at this point. Uh, every single swamp creature uh, that could come out and uh, provide a second wind to their dying structure, you know, is currently encumbered in a battle to save their own life and livelihoods, probably. Or I should say their own livelihoods and life, probably. But um, yeah. It's pretty crazy, guys. And so they say we're extremists and all this stuff, right? You've heard it before. And then they're out there. He, the the child's name was Kayleen, Kayler Ellington, ladies and gentlemen. Kayler Ellington. He hit him with a car, ladies and gentlemen. 
And he called 911 and told them that Kaylor Ellington was a far-right extremist and he was uh, promoting dangerous extremist political ideals. And I guess that's why he hit him. That's crazy, guys. That is crazy. But you know what? I guess, as they say, lighting your uh, city on fire is akin to uh, the summer of love, 1969 hippie style. Go figure, right? Well, you know, in an upside down backwards world, I would say um, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, those were summers of love for the demons who are currently trying to destroy this republic. And with that, strip humanity of its freedom and its God-given rights. So, oh, you know what we need to do, ladies and gentlemen? We need to get to our President Trump statements. So let's go ahead and get that going. Just thought I would share those with you. But yeah, we're going to talk about this DOJ case uh, they're doing a post-election challenge, and then uh, we got the DOD, which will be, um, yeah, I'm going to freeze. I'm going to freeze. Hold on one moment. I'm frozen. I am frozen. Let me see. Hello. Oh, I know what happened. Okay. But can you still hear me? That's what I want to know. You probably can. I apologize, guys. I turned my camera off. No, I froze. <laughs> okay. I'm back, guys. Okay. All right. I apologize. Typically, when I hit that button, my camera does not turn off. So I apologize for that, guys. I am back. Okay. I was just... Checking to make sure you guys are paying attention. No. Checking for a pulse. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, let's see here, guys. We're going to get to our President Trump statements. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where I left off when I froze, I said um, DOD. DOD is going to be protecting our uh, protecting our elections as well. So we'll get into that. We'll get into a little bit of all of that. Oh, really? I haven't done any of this. Okay. All right. All right, guys. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, I am pretty sure that with all of this, because, you know, and we'll see this through President Trump's statements as well in a minute, um, through all of this, uh, whether it's the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, uh, the two impeachment hoaxes, uh, all of this other stuff. And then plus you got this impeachment. I mean, so you have this um, phone call thing going on. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight as well in Georgia. Okay. Um, the man must feel totally assaulted. Like I would be reviled. I don't even know what I would do. I don't know if I'd have the strength or the wherewithal, ladies and gentlemen, to handle everything this man has been through. Uh, but like he said, he is standing between them and us. So uh, we're going to get President Trump's statements on. But we did have this one statement regarding all of these hoaxes, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, the left 
and everyone else just keeps throwing at him, hoping it will stick. Story after 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 story is bad. I won. I won. I told him. I said, I won. We had Hillary Clinton. What the hell is she doing? I won, but, but. Papers and I see stories of Trump. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Okay, so yeah, story after story. And there's Don Lamont. Did you guys see Don Lamont? Okay. Excellent. All right. So let's get into uh, some of these Trump statements. Now, I apologize. We'll have to take these straight off of Truth Social because I did not have them ready to go. Uh, like I normally do. Normally I clip them out and I get them nice and presentational. Uh, so first thing here, I'll go ahead and highlight this now since it is on the screen. We have another Trump event coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, I think we'll go ahead and just play this because uh, that way you guys can see what it's all about. Uh, it's going to be this Friday, guys, and I think it's North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Let's take a look. Wilmington, North Carolina, ladies and gentlemen, this Friday. Oh, Lord. Uh, so doors open at 2. President Trump will be on at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, so Eastern time, 7 p.m. So that will be, uh, what, uh, 6 p.m. here? Okay, so we'll probably be on early that day. That's good because we'll be, we'll be hot on the tails of a... Uh, a good Lone Star News episode. So uh, you guys stay tuned for Friday's show, that's for sure. All right, guys, let's see uh, what statements President Trump has for us today to share. Uh, here's the Don Lamont one, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a gander. 
President Trump says, they call me a ratings machine. Don Lamont was also a ratings machine in reverse. He killed ratings, ate them alive, and always will. If he interviewed Elvis back from the dead, nobody would watch. Add him to the list of Joe Scarborough and his lovely, soothing bride. They are in the can also, but now can compete against the dumbest man on television. Should help them a lot. And then there's that article, Humiliated Don Lamont Desperately Tries to Save Face After CNN Axes His Prime Time Show. So clearly, Mr. Lamont has gone the way of, uh, what was that one fellow's name again? That, uh, that annoying guy from, uh, from, from uh, the United Kingdom, right? The one that was fighting with uh, Alex Jones and Trump. <laughs> Anyways, he went that way. Maybe even the way of Stelter, right? And uh, I don't know, is Wolf Blitzer still in the mix? I don't know. I don't pay attention to CNN if I don't have to. So here's another statement from President Trump. Let's take a look. A small step for television, a giant step for mankind. Don Lemon, often called the dumbest man on television, having made even LeBron James look smart during their interview two years ago, has been fired from his primetime evening spot on CNN. Extremely low ratings, and we will be thrown into their Death Valley morning show. Oh, wait, I apologize. Don Lamon will be thrown into their Death Valley morning show. I assume this means a big salary cut prior to his complete and total future firing from ratings challenged, to put it mildly. CNN. Good luck, Don. You'll need it. Make America great again. And so slowly, ladies and gentlemen, Piers Morgan, thank you, yes. Slowly, ladies and gentlemen, um, all of the uh, all of the uh, the nights of the uh, fake news are slowly going away, one by one, drip, drip, dropping off, becoming irrelevant, obsolete, or just totally debunked, right? Like, when you talk about reporters, like, and I say reporters, but when you talk about like actors, like they have over at CNN, that is what you call a debunked journalist, ladies and gentlemen, a debunked journalist, because they're full of fake news. So apparently there was also another fake news story that uh, President Trump brought to our attention. Uh, some of us might not have caught it had we not... Um, read this statement goes this way. The governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, met me at the airport as I arrived for the big and very successful Youngstown rally. He had to fly in to do so. I suggested he go home and spend some time with his family. He has a very busy political life. The Daily Mail, unfunded New York Times, and certain others said that I was dissed by the governor and no time in his schedule to meet see the picture they knew that was not true but wrote the story anyway 
just more fake news. When will it end? Well, when will it end? When will it end? You know, it's interesting that that narrative of CNN, I don't know where this narrative came from, but it came from somewhere. Well, you know, I always heard the narrative that, oh, you know, Trump should buy out CNN or something like that, you know? I mean, I think that would be a great idea, but I think it would be even better if they didn't know it was Trump who purchased CNN, you know? Because, I mean, all the people who, well, I don't know. I just think it would be really funny if all the people who love CNN as it is for the past three or four decades, right? Uh, love it even when it's reporting the actual news. Wouldn't that be an interesting uh, about face to watch? Do you think it would be an about face or do you think they would be like, wait a minute. Did they just say Trump is the president on CNN? <laughs> shenanigans no just kidding but yeah i mean that would be a, a crazy about face actually but anyhow more fake news more fake news so apparently there were stories out there that uh governor dewine dissed trump now i would speculate that dewine wishes he could probably diss trump but uh it's probably another robin voss dewine is i'm telling you you know I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the guy, but I have done her told he may have received some money from like Les Wexner and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's hearsay at this point, guys. So don't take that to the bank. Okay. Don't take that to the bank. I'm being fair in saying so. All right. Uh, let's see here. I think that is it, ladies and gentlemen. I think we're all caught up. Yes, uh, we did this one yesterday. The, N the NARA, the National Archives Records. And then, of course, this one again. How about this one? The man at the FBI in charge of investigating my fake involvement, none with Russia, was getting paid by, hold on, Russia. <laughs> hey, what happened? It looks like I lost my stream over at Odyssey. Hmm. Let me go check out what's going on over there. Oh, we're live. Okay, never mind. We're back. <laughs> we're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. Okay, cool. All right. All right. So there are our Trump statements for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Mm -hmm. All right. And sorry, I was just looking at one of the screens over there. Okay. So that's going to take us to our first story for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a different look at elections and still be within the um, orbit of President Trump. But I think at this point, at least as far as election integrity goes, President Trump would be in that orbit, right? So the Department of Justice, ladies and gentlemen, is currently conducting a post-election challenge criminal investigation, which means, yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to those who challenged the 2020 election integrity, um, the security, and the accuracy of those elections um, may see some kind of reprisal 
from Biden's DOJ. So that's troubling enough, ladies and gentlemen. You stack that on top of everything that they're doing with this shim, sham, flim, flam, January 6th unselect committee. Uh, the other uh, thing that they have going on in Georgia, as I mentioned, with uh, the phone call and who, what was her name again? I said I wouldn't forget. Um, District Attorney Willis, right? Fanny Willis, okay, who's just trying to... Uh, you know, put another trophy on her mantle, as it were, by uh, attempting to indict President Trump, which is all just a bunch of malarkey, uh, not to uh, borrow Biden's uh, favorite term there. But I mean, if you think about that case in itself, and I think we actually will address it later on, but uh, I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But, you know, the Washington Post and the New York Times had to redact that phone call. So already Fannie Willis has lost ground on the fact that that retraction was because it was statements made in error and omission, okay? So I don't know what Fannie Willis is getting at over here by saying, oh, Trump did this and Trump did that. And um, I don't know, I guess it hurt Brad Raffensperger's feelings. Incidentally enough, we will be talking about Brad Raffensperger tonight as well. So get ready for that, Secretary of Snakes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but um, as it were, guys, as it were, we have the Department of Justice, okay, coming after, you know, but I mean, obviously it's going to be the big name people, right? I mean, they're not going to go after, I would assume they're not going to go after like, you know, the gateway pundit, even though uh, they've already been sued by like Dominion and they've been sued by uh, like uh, Wandrea Shamos and stuff like that. I would assume that they wouldn't go after, I would think they would go after like the political figures and the leaders, you know, they'd go after like Trump, they'd go after Bannon, they'd go after Mike Lindell, you know. Uh, what do you think was up with that phone seizure by the FBI? Do you think that might have had anything to do with um, what the DOJ is currently conducting? Okay. They are criminalizing, questioning the integrity of our elections. Okay. And let me tell you something that this illustrates the importance of free flowing information, guys, because these uh, individuals who have complete monopoly and control over information in a big and large way have successfully spun this lie of theirs into this yarn, this tapestry of just deception, ladies, and, and and imagination, incidentally. You know, who would have thought the Democrats had imagination? Well, they're probably just pulling the same old tricks out of the same old beaten bags, ladies and gentlemen. That's probably all that they're doing. But um, for them to go after our ability to question elections and then convolute it with all this other stuff like fake electors, like um, a riot on Capitol Hill, you know, all of this other stuff like uh, right-wing conspiracy theorists and uh, extremists, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that That's just, um, that's really taking it to, really taking it to. Uh, let's take a look at this. So basically it's a grand jury, a subpoena, a grand jury subpoena, okay, went public. Uh, and this is how we got this information. And uh, the subpoena does suggest that the United States Department of Justice is conducting a criminal investigation 
into activities that questioned the 2020 election. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at this article. This is from the Epoch Times. The subpoena dated September 6th, which was first obtained by Red State, orders recipients to testify before a federal grand jury in Washington. They also must submit all communications related to post-election challenges, including theories of election fraud. Whether then Vice President Mike Pence had the authority to change the election outcome and any strategies or options for ensuring the certification of Donald J. Trump as the victor of the 2020 presidential election. So you guys see exactly what the DOJ is doing here, right? You guys see exactly what the DOJ is doing. They are corralling. They are corralling all of the individuals who are fighting for um fighting for our freedom, fighting for our vote, fighting for our elections. I mean, if 2020 stands, we have no vote. I mean, we never, we haven't really had a vote, ladies and gentlemen, to speak of in some years. But with what occurred on November 3, 2020, and because everybody saw it, and because it was so blatant, because so much evidence now sits on the table, guys, because all of that, you know, um, it, it is absolutely ridiculous to think that um, we don't have the right to ask the question, you know? We don't have the right to ask the question about it. It's ridiculous. But uh, they're going to also corral all of the, what they call election deniers, the Trumpers, you know, I mean, I don't like the way Trumpers sound. How about forever Trumpers, right? That sounds better. It has more of like a ring to it. Forever Trumpers, right? They've got never Trumpers. You've got forever Trumpers. Anyways, well, you know, forever is absolute. But anyways, for now, Trumpers. No, just kidding. I told you guys, Trump's my favorite president since Andrew Jackson. So um, anyhow, but they're corralling them. And look at, you know, look at what they're asking for, guys. Look at what they're asking for. They want them to um, testify before a federal grand jury in Washington. And they want them to submit communications, including whether then Vice President Mike Pence had the authority to change the election outcome. I mean, we talk about restoring our republic and securing our elections as being a thousand front battle or war, you know, uh, as per true the vote, right? Well, you know, the bad guys are also facing a multi-fronted battle. You know, they have January 6th. They have the Georgia phone call. Uh, they have this election investigation. Um, and uh, they, they just keep adding more and more to that mythology. Now we have the NARA and we have uh, these documents, right, that are supposedly, supposedly confidential, well, what you're really going to find out, guys, is that uh, what you're really going to find out is they're going to reclassify these documents and they're probably going to try and make out like they were always classified when they were clearly declassified prior to Trump leaving office. I think he did it like the day he left office, right? Or something like that. It was like right there at the end that he declassified those documents. The DOJ, I mean, the DOJ, the FBI, all of them, they're just doing uh, CYA movements right now. That's what's going on with them. They're all doing CYA movements. Okay. And that's also what this is part of. Okay. That's also what this is part of. 
you know, because the multi-front battle that the uh, swamp creatures are fighting, you know, they're even trying to corral in individuals who understand the Constitution and they understand that the changes that the Democrats and the progressives and the traitor rhinos, well, they're all traitors, but the rhinos also, you know, they all fit under the traitor umbrella. Okay. But uh, to the, um, the, electoral, um, the Electoral Count Act, ladies and gentlemen, they're trying to make the role of the vice president ceremonial. Why would they need to do that if it already were as they claim? So multi-front battle for them. We've got a thousand front, right? They've got multi-front. We've got more fronts to fight than they do, guys. But uh, not that I'm complaining, right? Not that I'm complaining. Let's read the rest of this. It says here, the widespread issuing of subpoenas uh, suggests the DOJ is ramping up investigations focused on President uh, Trump and his allies just two months ahead of the midterm elections. The DOJ, according to the subpoena, is interested in documents and communications with a range from Trump's top advisors to state electors, local officials, and dozens more individuals in seven contested states where Trump and supporters have cast doubt on the election outcome. One line of inquiry relates to the Save America PAC, the main political fundraising channel used by Trump and created shortly after the election. Uh, another focus of the DOJ appears to be the question of so-called alternate electors. In the wake, see, that's the thing is they were alternate electors, guys, but uh, the fake news media, the legacy press, go on saying that they were um, fake electors, not alternate. They say they were fake electors. Um, which is just downright, uh, again, insane. Fortunately for some of those electors, not all of them, but in some of those states, you know, like I think, you know, I, I'm going to take an educated guess like Arizona and maybe either Michigan or Wisconsin. Um, they put language in the documents for the alternate slate of electors that protected them, but not all states did that, you know. So, um, man, it's crazy, guys. It's crazy. So, uh, yeah, they're going to keep going on and on and after that. They're going to keep going on and on and after that. So now they're going after the alternate electors, guys. They're going after the alternate electors. So the rest of this article kind of talks about how there's a chilling effect from this investigation. Of course, you have the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Then you have uh, the Capitol breach, you know, the wording here, guys, you know, I would word it differently. But that's just me. Mm -hmm. It says here, um, a few people who were named as part of the subpoena's request for documents were willing to comment about the issue when contacted by the Epoch Times. The ones who did comment mostly had not received a subpoena themselves, although some indicated they had caught wind of it. Um, Ash Kari, a member of the Warren County Republican Committee in Pennsylvania, said that uh, they had no comments or opinions. Um, Ash Kare signed a form certifying the state's 2020 results for Trump. Okay. Um, told the Epoch Times when asked about the inclusion of his name in the subpoena. So they had no comments. Sidney Powell is also listed in the subpoenas. One of the most prominent attorneys is Sidney Powell, who briefly served as counsel to Trump 
after the 2020 election and later filed lawsuits independently alleging election fraud. Powell told the Epoch Times that she was not previously aware of a subpoena naming her and noted that a Georgia subpoena to her was recently withdrawn. Alongside the federal probe, a grand jury in Georgia also is investigating alleged efforts by Trump and his allies to dispute that state's election results. You see that, guys? A, a grand jury in Georgia is also investigating alleged efforts by Trump's. Okay, so if that's not the phone call, guys, if that's not the phone call, that's true the vote. I bet you it's true the vote. Because you remember, you remember how Catherine and Greg had said, I say their first names like I'm, I know them. You remember how uh, Catherine Engelbert and Greg Phillips said that um, shortly after they turned in their um, geo-trafficking data and research to the Georgia Bureau investigations and to Kemp and to Raffensperger, or I think just to Kemp, I apologize. Not my story to tell, but they did say that uh, basically the state of Georgia turned the investigation on them. Raffensperger turned the investigation on them. So if it's not the phone call they're talking about in that paragraph, they're definitely talking about that, I would think. But that's just my guess. Um, conservative lawyer, conservative lawyer, Cleta Mitchell, who aided Trump's post-election challenge efforts, also is listed in the subpoena's records request. The attorney said she has not received a subpoena. So uh, they've got a couple of people listed here. Uh, check this one out. Um, I notice that I am a search term, but that's all I know. Mitchell, chair of the Indiana-based Public Interest Legal Foundation, told the Epoch Times, she added that she has provided the January 6th committee with all responsive, non-privileged documents, and if the DOJ serves my attorney a document subpoena, we would respond to it in the same manner as with the January 6th committee. We will provide all responsive, non-privileged documents. So PILF, guys, PILF is also in this. <coughs> Pretty crazy. So obviously a fishing expedition, guys. Obviously a fishing expedition. Uh, attorney Timothy Palatore, whose client, former New York Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick, was named in the subpoena, said that he is not worried about the DOJ. Uh, Palatore said, it very much struck me as a complete fishing expedition. Usually the DOJ is a lot more targeted with their subpoenas. It definitely, it's definitely looking much more like a spray and pray, he said. Ask for everything under the sun and maybe you get lucky that you might actually have something with one of one or two of these points. So, so, uh, obviously guys, what we got going on here is just more efforts to keep President Trump from running for president. And if not that, to totally stymie his campaign. But you know, whenever, when I'm reading stuff like this, I'm just kind of sitting here thinking to myself, and maybe it's just because I follow the stories and you see the patterns, but you can see the gears kick into motion, right? You can see the machine starting up. You can see the whole mechanics of the process that the Democrats are using, that the swamp creatures, the deep staters, the globalist influenced are using guys against their political enemies. And President Trump has basically been the whipping boy uh, that has been exposing all of their uh, abuses and all of their criminality. 
and all of their blueprint, I guess you could say. It had to be this way. Let's say it until it's cliche, ladies and gentlemen. It had to be this way. So anyways, guys, that is definitely uh, something to pay attention to. If it's just some something to add to their roster, guys, what do you think? Something just to add to their roster. Hmm? Of uh, uh, their laundry list of Trump crimes. Mm -hmm. Hey, Tem Grell, thank you so much for gifting the shades. I appreciate that. Thank you for your support. And uh, let's see here. J6 committee, uh, committee's death thralls. That's what is happening. Adam Schiff has something to do with it, as usual, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, watermelon head. There's old watermelon head. Oh, goodness. Anyways, next story, guys. Following on the election um, track, the Department of Defense will also be defending the midterm elections, guys. Isn't it kind of interesting how it seems like so many federal agencies are getting involved in our elections. Like I thought they were not supposed to be involved. I mean, I guess protecting them is one thing. I guess running cybersecurity is one thing, but you know, when all of these agencies and every non-governmental election agency under the sun is getting together with uh, companies and uh, manufacturers of uh, voting machines and all that stuff, we just need to keep the federal aspect of our government out of our elections, okay? They are ours and ours alone, ladies and gentlemen, just like our freedom and our liberty is ours and ours alone. You know? Um, Fed should not be in there. You know, if you guys recall, the Democrats attempted to take over the elections uh, as soon as Biden was sworn in as the false president. You know, you guys remember HR1, the what was it, the For the People Act or something like that? But it was totally taking away the elections and putting everything in the prerogative and the purview and the preference of the federal government. So, to, to the point that a state could not even make a change, nay, even uh, correct the grammar of a previous uh, law without getting permission from the federal government. But you know, there might be something more to it than just that. There might be something more to that, ladies and gentlemen, about the Democrats. I mean, because obviously they want to control the elections. You know, my old spiel was they were basically legalizing all of the fraud and theft that occurred in 2020. That's what a lot of what HR1 did. The other aspect was turning it over to the federal government then you would have to ask, well, then who in the federal government would be in charge of it? Would it happen to be DHS by any chance? Because there's been a lot of hubbub about DHS being involved in our elections. And incidentally, not coincidentally, incidentally, several of our states in this union have in their constitutions a clause that says... Uh, no federal agencies, and I think no foreign companies can be involved. Something to that effect, guys. But definitely not the federal government, not the Department of Homeland Security. And then one would have to ask, why are they even involved in our elections? You know? 
I mean, I'm sure you could ask Secretary of State Brian Kemp that question, ladies and gentlemen. If this were 2016 and Governor Kemp were still the Secretary of State of Georgia. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit, guys. Let's look at this, guys. So this is actually from the website for the U.S. Department of Defense. How U.S. Cyber Command, NSA, are defending midterm elections, one team, one fight. You know, that should be the motto of all the patriots. One team, one fight. <laughs> I'm not mocking, but um, I mean, really, guys, it, it's true. Hey, Kiss, what's going on? How you doing, Timbajet? Good to see you. Good evening, folks. Welcome on in. Come on in. Water is fine. Uh, but let's take a look at this article. It was released at the end of last month. Um, and uh, let's see what it's got to say. It says, um, with uh, the midterm elections approaching fast. Oh, wait, sorry. Let me expand this for you guys. Uh, with the midterm elections approaching fast, the Department of Defense or the Defense Department is fully engaged to defend the U.S. electoral system from foreign interference and foreign influence along interagency partners. I mean, haven't they always supposedly been doing that? This is an enduring no-fail mission for U.S. Cyber Command and the National Security Agency, who bring unique insights and actions to the whole of government effort, says U.S. Army General Paul M. Nakasone, or Nakasone, a commander of Cybercom and director of NSA Chief of the Central Security Service. The Joint Cybercom NSA Election Security Group stood up again in early 2022, aligns both organizations' efforts to disrupt, deter, and degrade foreign adversaries' ability to interfere and influence how United States citizens vote and how those votes are counted. The group spearheads uh, DOD's efforts and is co-led by Air Force Brigadier General Victor Macias, Cybercom's co-lead and deputy commander of Cyber National Mission Force, and Anna Horrigan, NSA's senior executive and election security co-lead. The ESG team is comprised of some of the best and brightest in this field, Horrigan said. We are building on previous successes while also maximizing our strong relationships and synchronizing, often enabling the U.S. to respond rapidly to election threats. I mean... Do we ever hear about these uh, foreign international election interference threats, guys? I mean, no one's shining the light on them if that's the case, you know. Uh, but, you know, they just want to get completely involved in the, uh, they want to get completely involved in, like, the circuitry of elections the federal government does. The ESG's primary objectives are to generate insights on foreign adversaries who may interfere or influence elections. Hopefully that doesn't mean that they create foreign adversaries that they then use against, you know, like a false flag. Because I could, I could totally see that. Uh, they are also to uh, bolster domestic defense by sharing information with intra-agency industry and allied partners and impose costs on foreign actors who seek to undermine democratic processes. 
I start having PTSD whenever I hear, we have to defend democracy around the world. And I, you know, and I'm not the one suffering. It's everyone who's having their democracy defended that's suffering, ladies and gentlemen, to be honest, frank, and sincere. So uh, Cybercom and NSA, I guess they're just uh, making a little press release saying that they're going to continue to keep the foreign actors and adversaries outside of our domestic elections. Mm-hmm. Yep, I told you. I told you guys, check this out. Check this out. As in previous election cycles, Cybercom and NSA are closely partnered across the government and industry and are, uh, are one critical component of a whole government effort. The group directly supports partners like the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, and the FBI in collecting, declassifying, and sharing vital information about foreign adversaries to enable domestic efforts in election security. You know, guys, I just, uh, I just had this thought, and it just, it just struck something inside of me. Okay, these hypocritical traitors to this nation. Okay. And, you know, maybe they, maybe they were never even for this nation, but you know, if they were born here, then they're traitors to this nation. Right. Okay. Like they ridicule and they stifle every election investigation effort that we have put up. Okay. To the point that they're going to be doing this whole investigation with the DOJ into people who challenge the integrity of elections. And yet they're doing this entire foreign international FBI, DHS, you know, they're all getting themselves involved in the election bin, you know, all of every, it's like every single um, federal agency is having to like spill into this now, you know, it's damage control to be frank. That's what this is all about. You know, aside from capturing our elections, aside from truly capturing on paper, the liberty of Americans, you know, uh, they are going to go ahead and uh, continue spreading these miserable lies, ladies and gentlemen. You know, they should really be held accountable for that. That's what I think. <laughs> a gang sign. Anyhow. Okay, guys. So pretty crazy, pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, they're just, they're making their statements. They're coming out and they're doing it again. You know, you know, I made that comment about Brian Kemp and DHS in 2016 when he was secretary of state of Georgia. Do you guys realize, do you guys realize that, you know, basically the fix is in, right? The fix is in. Brian Kemp, Secretary of State, then Governor. Bradford Raffensperger working under Brian Kemp. I mean, is Raffensperger going to be the next governor of uh, freaking Georgia or what? Anyways, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. I should say. Oh, goodness. So um, let's see here. Let's go ahead and wrap up this article, guys, so you can get a little bit of a closure on it. And I'm not just meandering off into my Georgia comments. <laughs> My Raffensperger woes. Uh, it says here, election security was deemed a critical infrastructure component in 2017 by DHS. The U.S. government is actively defending against foreign interference and influence operations in the United States elections. 
specifically by focusing on how adversaries seek to undermine U.S. interests and prosperity. Uh, so that is a line for um, focusing on how their adversaries expose the way that they steal and uh, defraud the American population from their vote and their freedom and their liberty. Uh, but they will also um, actively be defending um, against foreign interference, oh, wait, the will to vote of the populace, oh, they're being dramatic, as well as their belief in the sanctity and security of their elections. According to the Office of Director of National Intelligence, Russia, China, Iran, and other foreign malicious actors may seek to interfere in United States voting processes and influence voter perception. Such foreign activity can threaten to undermine fundamental principles of United States democracy and influence U.S. public sentiment. Now, that statement right there, ladies and gentlemen, that statement reminded me of uh, the time that uh, Victoria Newland visited Nigeria. And um, I believe his name was Ambassador, I think it was Keshi or Ambassador Kesh. He was being interviewed on Nigerian TV. And, uh, you know, Newland was there because of the elections in Nigeria. She was there to oversee the elections, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, probably with uh, Secretary of State, uh, sorry, Secretary of Snakes, Frank LaRose of Ohio. But uh, Ambassador Keshi of Nigeria said, why would we be concerned about Russia or China interfering in our elections? That makes no sense. He said, but however, the United States, the European Union and the United Kingdom, those are the nations that we're actually worried about meddling in our elections. And then what do we have? Victoria Newland, they're meddling in their elections. <laughs> well, actually, you know, I don't know if Victoria Newland is the elections front, but she, uh, at least in Ukraine, she was very, very useful at uh, coordinating the uh, coordinating the um, selected governmental body. So uh, maybe she's there to fine tune and set some parameters but maybe not to execute the theft of elections. Because, you know, the Ukraine election of 2019 was also a fix, if you guys uh, were not aware. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Cool, thank you, Timbajet, for that uh, insight. The gang sign is your index finger pointed up with your arm raised. I just found out on MSM, like, like that? I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> yes, Newland is uh, an expert on foreign interference. Indeed. Indeed, she is. So anyhow, for I guess for the United States, you know, I guess it could make sense that Russia and China and Iran would want to interfere. I really don't think. Well, you know, maybe. I don't know. I'm hearing so much cross communication about Russia right now. It's driving me insane, okay? I am going to find all of the root sources, okay, that I can on this whole Russia debacle, okay? Because, you know, because I think currently right now, I look like a red communist trying to bring back Soviet Russia and turn the United States into the United Soviet States of America. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I happen to believe that Putin is fighting the New World Order. But again, guys, 
If everything above the surface of the earth is a stage, who knows in this era of mass information? Let's talk about Brad Raffensperger. You know, it's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> you guys are probably like, what is going on here? I just, you know, because look, it's got that like uh, that uh, scary horror blood drippy like um, font. Bradford Raffensperger, Georgia, Secretary of Snakes, with the ghouls on his side, Katie Hobbs and uh, Veronica de Graffenried. Anyways, okay, guys, I'll give you a somewhat respectable photograph of Bradford Raffensperger. Now, guys, I think, honestly, that um, Bradford Raffensperger is a household disgrace. And I say that because uh, um, this article I wanted to share with you guys, and again, I think this one is again from the Epoch Times, uh, is talking about how the 2020 elections has really put the Secretary of State race on the map. Like, this is a race no one used to talk about. It was an invisible race. No one cared about the Secretary of State. No one knew what the Secretary of State did. For all they knew, Secretaries of State in the states had the same function as the Secretary of State in the federal government, right? Like, no, the Secretaries of States are not international diplomatic, you know, uh, arms of the government. You know, they're, <laughs> they're not there to go, you know, uh, strike deals and work things out with other nations. They are there to secure our elections and then help with business as well. In some states, so, you know, like I said, it, it varies from state to state, but the root planks of what a secretary of state does, one or two, possibly three of them are pretty much similar in every state, except for Wisconsin. That one's a little bit different. So uh, anyhow, uh, Raffensperger, ladies and gentlemen, a household disgrace, you know, this uh, article from the Epoch Times 2020 election controversy casts shadows over Georgia Secretary of State race. Okay. Ooh, cast shadows. You know, Raffensperger really did become household name. I mean, especially, and I'm not tooting my own horn here, especially if you watch the C report, because I mean, I've been talking about Brad Raffensperger all from the day that we went on the air here at the Sea Report. And uh, I'm glad it's all caught up, but you know, it takes time for information to catch up. That's why it's important that the information flows freely, but that, that also, you know, like on my part, I don't mind revisiting some of these things. People forget about these things. Some of these points could be very key points, okay? And I'll give you a really good example of that in just a minute. But, but going on to this article, and I guess the topic at hand here in regards to the Secretary of State office in Georgia, the elections from uh, 2020 up to 2022, guys, you know, the Secretary of State's elections literally were like invisible, you know, but it, it was with Raffensperger and it, well, you know, let's be fair. It was with the theft of the 2020 elections and how how odiously obvious it was in the state of Georgia. They called it severe mismanagement, ladies and gentlemen, but that was not severe mismanagement, okay? That was a cover-up, okay? That was preparation for fraud. That's what that was, ladies and gentlemen, you know? But uh, so uh, Raffensperger, of course, was, uh, I, I would say of all of the secretaries of states, secretaries of state was the most adamant 
in disagreeing with President Trump about the security of the Georgia election and its outcome. And, um, you know, as we learn more and more and more about the way things ran, you see, that's what was important about this process is that we could sure point a finger and say they stole the elections. It was the machines. But there was so much more to this as we have come to find out. You know, it was an entire galaxy of operations that took place in order to steal the 2020 election. And, 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 and perhaps it was because they employed so many outright, blatant, obvious frauds that they got caught, you know, um, because they were desperate. You know, that's why I say vote on election day. You know, if there's one thing you can take away from this show tonight and any other night is vote on election day. Do not vote early. Okay. Do not vote early. That is the easiest way to combat their um, their um, cheating, ladies and gentlemen. Do not vote early. Do not give them the opportunity to figure out where they need to fix the numbers. Okay. Now, getting back into this, we had Brad Raffensperger having this dispute with Trump. Um, and then, of course, it goes over into the phone call. Okay. And goes over into the phone call. Um, and, and that's, of course, well, the rest, as they say, is history, to be cliche again. But uh, so the article is going on talking about all of this with Raffensperger, all of this with Georgia, and uh, kind of the, um, the impression it's left on future elections and uh, the way it's changed from past elections. And uh, it goes on to talk about, uh, you guys remember Gabriel Sterling, of course. So we've got him in the mix, too. They're talking about how he was receiving death threats as well as Raffensperger. Let's take a look at the article at this point. It says, Raffensperger was first elected in 2018, succeeding Brian Kemp. Okay. Now, that's an issue for me. Okay. When you have someone who ran state elections and undoubtedly because Kemp is the rhino that he is, and he's shown us who he is if we're paying attention, right? You know, he probably knew exactly how they were going to rig the election. If not in some ways, it was more, it was in one way or more, right? He knew the fix was going to be in there at some point, you know? And so, um, I don't know, guys. I'm kind of feeling like I'm kind of feeling like this is a scheme like this is the fix is in. OK, you go from Rhino Kemp and everything he's done in Georgia, you know, and of course, you're going to have those diehard Fox and uh, those diehard Fox and Hannity Republicans that are going to be like, yeah, but he did strengthen elections in Georgia a little bit too late. I mean, he was secretary of state for crying out loud. He could have had this recommended, suggested years in advance of 2020, years in advance of 2016, you know? Well, I mean, maybe not in advance of 2016, but maybe a couple of years or one year, you know? I don't know what his term was, okay? I just know he was Secretary of State at that time. So guys, to me, that's like the fix is in. Kemp went from running elections to being the governor of the state. That's why I was like, what's next for Raffensperger? And these two are definitely in cahoots, Kemp and Raffensperger. 
And uh, and and I will always say that to Brian uh, Brian Ra Brian Raffensberger. Look, I've already married them guys. Okay, I will always say that uh, Bradford Raffensberger uh, is a Democrat in Republicans' clothing. He's not even a Rhino, you know. He has no conservative values. I mean, hello. He doesn't even believe in the uh, sacredness of our liberty, which is symbolized in our vote, ladies and gentlemen. That is an issue. Okay. All right. So it says here, he is now up for re-election too. That's Brad Raffensperger. Uh, Brad Raffensperger won a May 24th Republican primary victory by 52 to 34% over the Trump-supported Jody Heiss. Now, we know that this is also a fix, okay? Uh, for those who are aware of the stories that are coming out of Georgia, you know, they did hand recounts the very minute those polls closed, okay? And I think it was in Coffee County, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't Fulton. I think it was Coffee. But don't check me on that. You know, we'll probably see that here a little bit in... Actually, yeah, we'll, we'll see a little bit. I'll, we'll, we will confirm which county was a minute, but in a, a, I believe it's in Garland, Favorito's home county. They did a, a count at the precinct of the ballots, and they found that the number of the ballots in hand did not match the digital number. And then they found that like hundreds of ballots had gone missing. Okay. This was on election night. Okay. Then when we're talking about Brad Raffensperger's victory over Jody Heiss, are you kidding me? Nobody likes Raffensperger. As we saw in Voter GA's uh, press conference, you know, Brad Raffensperger's polling was very low, you know, and, and it wasn't until I think election day that he actually polled well, higher than he had been, but nowhere near 52%. In fact, he was polling somewhere near where Jody Heiss allegedly ended up in that election. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, no one would ever vote for Brad Raffensperger, guys. I mean, there was a fix there, you know, and Voter GA is contesting the Secretary of State election for the primaries. So that's something that's in the uh, that's in the uh, in the works, ladies and gentlemen. But it's, it's ridiculous, guys. It's ridiculous to think that. Now, now check this out. OK. I mean, because, you know, Brian Kemp and his, uh, the governor's race in the primaries, that was really the smoking gun, guys. Okay. That was the smoking gun, you know, unless the people of Georgia are so sympathetic, empathetic, and feel pity for Brian Kemp that they voted him back into office in the primary, there is no way any well-meaning and uh, awake Republican conservative Trump supporter would have voted for Brian Kemp. His election was a smoking gun. 70-something percent compared to a Trump-endorsed candidate. Give me a break, okay? Give me a break, all right? Now, the article from the Epoch Times actually had a little bit of interesting information, and Again, this is where I'm saying we're going to use this as an example of why it's so important to have information not only free-flowing, but also um, shared. Very important to have it shared. Okay, check this out. The Epoch Times writes, 
An estimated 75,000 Democrats crossed over to vote in the Republican primary, which Georgia allows under its open primary rules. Raffensperger, who beat Heiss by more than 200,000 votes, would have won without the Democrats, but their support allowed him to avoid a runoff. So guys, uh, it's important. Information is free-flowing and shared, okay? Shared. Because if the Epoch Times, and I'm not calling out the Epoch Times, what I'm doing here is clarifying for my audience, okay? Um, and if they had a man in Georgia, or if they even had an open line to voter GA, which, I mean, I get it, Epoch Times was sued. Maybe they don't want to delve too deeply into election stories, especially where machines are concerned. But voter GA has not been looking at the machines per se. They've been looking at the ballots. They've been looking at the irregularities. They've been looking at the severe mismanagement, ladies and gentlemen. They've been looking at the broken chain of custody. They've been looking at the duplicate ballots. They've been looking at the fake and unlawful ballots that adulterated the Georgia elections. Okay, so there's that. But if, again, like I said, I'm not calling out the Epoch Times, but like if the Epoch Times, who supports General Vallely, a traitor to the nation, if they had a contact with voter GA, then they would know that Democrat crossover was not the reason why Heiss and, um, uh, why um, Jody Heiss and, uh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name, uh, Jody Heiss was an America First Secretary of State candidate. Boo. Anyhow, uh, Jody Heiss and also the, uh, why can I not think of that guy's name? The Trump endorsed candidate for governor. It's totally like, it's stuck right here. Anyway, someone will throw it in the chat for me. But anyhow, guys, as I was saying, as I was saying, um, there's no way that they would have won that. Okay. There's no way that they would have won against two candidates of that caliber, considering the job that they had done and the exposure that had been given to their ill-begotten work, okay? Ill-begotten work, guys. Ill-begotten work. And it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous to think that... Uh, it was Democrat crossover. Okay, so was it Democrat crossover? Was it not Democrat crossover? What are we talking about here, right? Okay, so information flow and sharing the information, important. You know, I once heard Garland Favorito say uh, to uh, someone that was interviewing him, he once said, um, thank you, because, you know, the ones who are actually interested in what's happening, David Perdue, thank you, Sean Joe. What's up, Sean Joe? Thank you for the cookie also. Um, Perdue and Heiss. Uh, anyhow, so uh, he was saying that uh, they actually contact and report the stories from Voter GA. And he wasn't snubbing anyone. He wasn't being, you guys know Garland Favorito. I mean, he is like, he is one of the most generous and kind souls that I have ever encountered in any of my news stories and stuff like that. But anyhow, um, no one's covering the stories. So here's a little bone to toss to the Epoch Times. And just to clarify, guys, because what this is doing here with this, I mean, and they're not doing it intentionally, not intentionally at all, guys. Like I said, I respect and I actually subscribe to the Epoch Times. So you can't say I'm being a jerk, right? Okay. So... Anyhow, um, this right here about the uh, Democrat crossover, it, what it is doing is, is adding to the mythology 
okay, that there was some kind of Democrat crossover. What it's doing is it's negating the fact that there was obvious fraud in the machines in Georgia in 2022, in the primaries and beyond, okay? That's the point. You know, share the information, then you would know it was not Democrat crossover. Now, I keep saying it. Well, you know what? I'll let Garland Favorito tell you all about it. So you don't. Here we go, guys. So the question came up was, is this crossover voting? Do all these Democrats cross over and vote for Raffensperger? Uh, or or somebody else, maybe Kemp, and or or so that doesn't seem to be the case. We looked at the crossover vote. We found uh, well taken the AP and the Washington Post. People tend to rely on those uh, publications for information. They said both agree that 37,000 Democrats crossed over to vote in Republican in Georgia primary 2022. Well, that's only about three to six percent. Three percent of the voters, six percent of Brad Ravensburger's totals. So that is not enough to justify a 13 to 20% uh, difference in the polling projections versus what the machines claim that he got. We also looked at some heavy Republican majority counties. So I'm going to pause it there real quick, guys, just to reiterate what Mr. Favorito said here. Basically, what they did is they took like their polling projections, okay, and then uh, they compared that to the Democrat crossover. Now, here it says it was 37,000. The Epoch Times article says it was 75,000. Now, at 37,000 Democrats, that was only 3% of voters and 6% of all of Raffensperger's total. So I imagine you double that, right, to 75,000. That would be 6% of the voters and 12% of Raffensperger's totals. So it still wouldn't add up, guys. You know, so that is, get a line out to Georgia, someone over there at the Epoch Times. Because, I mean, like I said, it's not intentional, but most definitely it's, it's convoluting the truth in some manner, guys. You know, it's it's covering it up. It's watering it down. It's negating it. You know, it's 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 rendering it deficient. It's it's just taking all of the truth out. I mean, it's the truth, guys. I mean, this is what happened. So, anyways, I just thought I would share that with you guys because I was going to share this um, Raff, uh, Raffensperger article with you all, and when I saw that, I was like, "Let me bring the sauce." Uh, so, let, let, I'll, I'll I will allow um, Favorito, Mr. Favorito, to continue to uh, finish up here. And you, there were, we even looked at counties. If you took every Democrat uh, primary voter in the previous election and put them into the 2022 uh, election, uh, and that still wouldn't justify, and, and, and then even gave Brad Ravensburger their votes, it would, that still doesn't make up the difference between the polling projections and what the Dominion voting system says that Brad Ravensburger got. So where did the rest of the votes come from? Crossover voting was certainly a factor, but it was not the explanation for what happened. So our monitoring team got an opportunity to check this uh, Secretary Ravensburger's vote totals. 
during a Cobb County dining cityhood audit that occurred on, John, on June 6th. They were checking, the auditors were checking the, um, uh, the cityhood race. And we decided to count and monitor Brad Ravensburger's votes while this audit was going on because we were right over their, their shoulders pretty much. And that's what you can do when you're a, a monitor. So here's what we found out. The election day had, uh, and this precinct that we, we checked out, which was the Vining's 04 precinct, election day only, had, had 993 ballots cast. 757 were Republican, 214 were Democrat, 22 were nonpartisan. So the Republican ballots were 76% of the total in this particular precinct. We'll keep that number in mind for a second. So when we did this monitoring, we had, we monitored, we had four different batches. And this was the results that we came up. We had Brad Ravensburger receiving 44 of 114 ballots, uh, votes in one, 114 ballots in one batch, 92 of 240 uh, in a, another batch, 37 of 96 in another batch, and 54 out of 117 in the fourth batch. So we were able to monitor a total of 567 of the ballots um, out of the 993. Some you could not monitor because they were face down. We were looking at the other side of the ballot um, um, and uh, there were a couple of other issues, but we were able to monitor uh, over, well over half. And uh, we estimated based on the percentage I gave you um, earlier that 431 of those were Republican ballots. Brad Raffensperger received 227 votes um, in, that, uh, in that, as we monitored, and that's 52.6% of the votes. Well, Brad Raffensperger got 52.1% of the vote in, in, on election day, so that sounds perfectly legitimate, right? There should be no problem. It actually seems to check out fine. Well, there's just one thing. You see, in this particular precinct, the Dominion system gave Brad Raffensperger 68.4%, not, not 52%. So that's a good 15% higher than uh, what the ballots show. So this, the ballots show a discrepancy, very similar to the discrepancy in DeKalb, and actually DeKalb was probably even worse. So just to show you, here were the actual results. Brad Rasberger, we found uh, 498, Jody Heiss 168, David Bellow 42, and TJ Hudson 20. This was the actual results that were reported by the system. You can see this is the Secretary of State's uh, classic uh, spreadsheet that you'll see for, for any and all of, the, of their election results. That's pretty crazy, right guys? That is pretty crazy. Press release from Voter GA. They do good work. Just like PILF, Public Interest Legal Foundation, I would recommend if you are uh, looking for an organization to uh, lend to or donate to. And again, I have absolutely no uh, yeah, cahoots with them or anything like that. I'm not getting any kind of payment from that, but they do good work. I love, I love the work that they do. Yes, uh, Tam Grell, thank you says that was a good interview with Garland Favorito, Mr. C. Yes, uh, well, we did that a couple of weeks ago now. So if, if you all missed the interview that I had with Garland Favorito, he was here on the C Report uh, a couple of Thursdays ago. 
it should still be on the main page on my Rumble page for uh, Mr. CTV. And also on the C-Report.com, I put it on the put it on the home page. So uh, yeah, so uh, Garland Favorito um, disseminating information regarding what happened. That was Cobb County and Vining County, um, where all of this was going on. Now in Vining County Precinct Two, he said is where uh, they did the hand recount and um, the numbers according to the polls and what uh, they had gotten as a result seems to kind of match. But then when you looked at the Dominion voting machines results, 15% higher. And so if I'm not mistaken, they were saying that 15% seemed to be across the board, you know, and I believe it was Candace Taylor who was talking about a certain percentage as well for Kemp in the governor's race. And we see the same thing in Colorado with Tina Peters and the, uh, the races over there. Okay. We're seeing like there's a, an algorithmic percentage fix where some kind of flux happens. Some people explain it as like the vote being switched. Other people explain it as like vote, like uh, diversion. Like, you know, it's like uh, pulling apart your vote from a whole vote to part votes and stuff like that. You know, it's just, all of these weird mechanical, technological, algorithmical, digital, transhumanist type of things. No, just kidding. Transhumanist, that's right. You know, only transhumanists use uh, voting, digital voting machines for their elections. Ladies and gentlemen, are you a transhumanist? <laughs> Anyways, guys, so I just wanted to share that with you all just uh, so that the story is uh, straight there in that regard. Spread the word, right? You know, information, share it. It's important because otherwise everyone's going to believe that Jody Heiss and David Perdue lost to Democrat crossover. But that is the cover story from the Legacy Press and the Swamp Creatures of Georgia. Undoubtedly, the uh, globalist influenced henchmen. That is the deep state hatching these ill-begotten schemes. Uh, so um, in that regard, guys, just to wrap up on Raffensperger and the Secretary of State's race since David, you know, I always, I don't know why I never even did that, y'all. I should have actually looked up to see if David Perdue made any kind of, I mean, I know he conceded, right? David Perdue conceded. So did Jody Heiss. But I don't know, guys. Maybe at least Jody Heiss should get a hold of Garland Favorito, right? <laughs> Maybe Jody Heiss should at least get a hold of Garland Favorito so that this way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they can start talking about election theft, lack of election integrity, no security for our elections. Come on, come on, guys. I mean, get it together, y'all. Not you guys, obviously, but generally speaking. So anyhow, um... As the, the Epoch Times is sharing this article and, uh, you know, really, I think what they were doing is maybe just kind of putting Raffensperger in the limelight, but really it was more of a hash on everything that's going on with Trump, right? Because Raffensperger obviously is the, uh, the opponent here, you know, as he made himself when President Trump, uh, you know, um, went to him specifically about the fraud in Georgia, you know?
Now, yesterday we were listening to an interview, I think, with Nick Mositer and a gentleman that did the um, forensic analysis of the paper ballots for the Maricopa County audit. And they were talking about 10,000 plus, maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of like 11,000 ballots that were anomalous. In other words, they weren't printed on the right stock or they weren't printed with the right PDF um, root file. And so uh, they weren't, or they were third or fourth or fifth generation copies. They weren't like a fresh print, you know, first generation copy, stuff like that. So, but you know, Georgia, it was like 11,000 votes. What did President Trump say to Raffensperger on that phone call? I need you to find me 11,738 votes or something like that, you know? And because he made that statement, now you have people like uh, District Attorney Fannie Willis, you know, and uh, you have the uh, Unselect Committee and you have the DOJ and now the FBI, like, you know, all of them uh, claiming that Trump was uh, being a big bully and that he was um, berating, I guess, an, an underman. I don't know. I mean, he... You know what I'm thinking is, what if it was that, because they knew what was going on, guys, and for some reason, Trump chose Georgia. Now, as we've been going through all of this election fraud discovery, this whole process of discovery, right, we've learned about so many different ways that they stole the election. And then we've also learned how those individual ways complement each other. And, you know, kind of like, you know, interconnect with each other in some ways, like, for example, the printing of unlawful ballots, dumping into the to match the digital number, you know, which uh, is a number that comes from apparently across the ocean via Seidel and the satellites. But we'll never know because General Vallelie is keeping uh, Maria Zach prisoner anyways. So. Um, all of that's going on, guys, all of that's going on. All of that's going on and. uh Man, I tell you what, y'all, I tell you what. We've got a lot going on, <laughs> but no, you have. So, you know, basically, ladies and gentlemen, at this point, you know, we're looking at an entire. Well, you know, that, they call it a syndicate, you know, it's it's a RICO. It's, it's a racketeering influenced syndicate crime organization, criminal organized crime, you know. Uh, and they're going to discover that. I've been singing this praise for the longest time. They're going to discover that, you know, like uh, the Center for Tech Zuckerberg money tied into the Democrats against Trump and uh, rigging the elections tied into the 2000 mules tied into um, whomever is, uh, is is pushing the voting machines like forward, like the Dominion voting machines, you know, and then there was Smartmatic and all that stuff. Right. Um the point has been made, though, that the machines are more like the vessels of the theft, but they did not actually program the theft. Much like Hari um, Hursty programs memory cards for theft in elections on Diebold machines in, uh, you know, the Northeastern states, you know, Um it's the same. It, it's it's the same thing, guys. It's election theft. Okay, it is election theft, election election fraud through the machines. But the machines are vessels. Okay, they're just machines. You know, like a gun, right? 
Who steals elections, the machines or the people who program the machines? Who steals the election, right? Or who, who decides the winner of the election? The people who vote or the people who count the vote? You see where I'm going with that? So, you know, that um, point of view has been angled. And I think, I think there's some merit to that point of view. Uh, because if we end it with, oh, we got rid of Dominion, we got rid of ESNS, we got rid of Smartmatic, we got rid of Heart InterCivic, you know, we got rid of all of them and we're on paper only. Are we going to be pacified with that? Or are we going to want to get to the bottom of it and find out who is doing all the programming and who is doing all the algorithm making and all that stuff? I think that stuff's also vital. It's as vital as who were the um, who are the buyers and sellers for Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell? You know, these are questions that should be answered because just as this knowledge has come forward and with it uh, being recognized, it gives us the opportunity to prevent it from happening again, guys, you know, just as the information has come forward, guys, just as the information has come forward, these people need to see justice or they will do it again or it will happen again. Okay. You know, that's why I think Podesta is getting back in the white house. You know, that's why I think the Clinton foundation is back because they're getting ready to set them up for a big fall. But that's just speculation, guys. High speculation, you know, not even based on anything in this reality, just something that popped into my head. Let's finish up with Georgia, guys. It's already almost at the end of the show. Uh, so just in short, uh, we have the legacy media um, throwing in the towel. We're not throwing in the towel, I apologize. They're throwing in the hat. <laughs> Uh, for Raffensperger's um, Democrat opponent for Secretary of State. Go figure, right? Of course they are. So anyways, um, her name is Naguyan. Uh, they talked about her in the Epoch Times article. Uh, but I, I mean, we didn't go through that part of it. But um, I'm not going to give you the long and short of it, guys. Just know she's he's running up against Democrat and the uh, legacy press, the fake news media. They're pushing her, of course. They think that um, Raffensperger, uh, that was, it was because the Democrats went over to vote for him in order to prevent, you know, uh, Jody Heiss or David Perdue from getting in. I mean, that's what, that's what the bill is saying now. That's what, that's what's on the ticket, right? Unless you've, uh, unless you've done some research and investigation into the machines and the numbers, the percentages, uh, like voter GA has done, then that's what you're going to believe. And unless you're sharing that information, that's all you're ever going to know, you know? Okay. Uh, we also have an addition to this Naguyan lady. Uh, her name is B. Naguyan, and uh, she is a uh, Georgia House seat. Oh, she had the Georgia House seat formerly held by Stanky Abrams. Boy, you know that that seat of Stanky Abrams was well-grooved and smelly, ladies and gentlemen. And then we also have another candidate, Ted Metz, ladies and gentlemen. Ted Metz is, uh, he's a libertarian candidate, so he's third party. And that's his picture right there. And uh, he was actually previously running for Georgia governor in 2018. Uh, but now he's going for secretary of state. Let's read about Metz. It says, Metz is a semi-retired insurance agent with a background in scientific research he ran an unsuccessful campaign for Georgia in governor, a Georgia governor in 2018, and gained name recognition for his performance in a televised debate against Kemp and Abrams. 
Mets supports voter ID, absentee signature matching, hand marking paper ballots, and public ballot inspections, among other things. According to his website, he opposes electronic voting systems, ballot drop boxes, ballot harvesting, and ballot stuffing. And add ballot trafficking to that list. So who knows, ladies and gentlemen, who knows? Maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the man. Maybe this is the one we've been waiting for. Maybe this libertarian third-party candidate is going to get the job done. What do you, what do you, wouldn't it be so funny, guys? Wouldn't it be so funny if they took the machines away in time for the midterms in Georgia and the people are so irate that Raffensperger attempted to get away with stealing yet another election and certifying his own election in question that they all vote for this dude, Metz. <laughs> and because they don't have the machines to rig it, Metz takes it by a landslide and then we have a libertarian in office. That's awesome. Got to say that's awesome. Anyways, but you know, really, when you're talking about uh, Raffensperger and you're talking about this Naguyan lady, you're, you're comparing apples to apples, ladies and gentlemen. You're comparing apples to apples. I mean, after all, Naguyan wants to do all this stuff with like, uh, you know, like taking away voter ID. It's, it's voter suppression. You have to think about the access, equity, and efficiency, ladies and gentlemen, of elections. Anyhow. So there's that little bit. So now you're caught up on that bit. Now, here's the other fun part I wanted to share with you guys. This was about Brian Kemp being Secretary of State. I'm not going to let this go, guys. Okay. You guys know when I get like, you know, when I when I latch on to something, sometimes I just don't stop. Right. So, but, you know, having discussed and talked about Georgia and the elections in 2020 and in 2021 and 2022 so much. And, you know, knowing what I've learned about Brian Kemp and his time in office and some of the things that he's been through, you know, and some of the things that he's done and some of the people that he, uh, you know, hangs out with like Ducci and Abbott, you know, um, I was really surprised to learn that he was the secretary of state. I don't see any better position to be in to set yourself up for a win than to be the secretary of state, the state's head election official. Okay. Now, if you guys don't think that a secretary of state can uh, finagle their way into some fraud or into some um, malignant actions, think again. I mean, think about the Otero County, New Mexico um, forensic audit. Think about what they found um, Secretary of Snakes Maggie Toulouse Oliver was doing over there in New Mexico. You know, she was uh, she was cooking the numbers, guys, and they have the email documentation to prove it. They can do this, guys. They can. Now, we uh, tend to um, err more on the side of, I don't know, trust, benefit of the doubt, being a good human, right? So we think that these people are, are on the up and up. But uh, obviously, there's been some kind of, you know, coup. <laughs> there's been some kind of heist. There's been some kind of plan. Anyway, so I just pulled an article real quick. I know that uh, I know that the Epoch Times article did mention uh, Kemp as Secretary of State, but uh, 
Here's from 2018, November 8th. In Georgia, Kemp claims victory, but won't oversee potential recount. See, now this is what, um, this is what uh, Raffensperger should have done. He should have recused himself like Kemp did. Um, it says here, uh, Republican Brian Kemp has declared victory over Democrat Stacey Abrams in Georgia's bitterly fought gubernatorial race, but Abrams has not conceded and wants all provisional and absentee ballots counted first. Kemp announced he was resigning his post as Secretary of State effective at 11.59 a.m. Uh, so I don't know, guys. I just think that, you know, that's why that's why I asked Mr. Favorito about Brian Kemp as Secretary of State, because that's something that not many people realize, you know, it's not something that pe many people realize. And when you look at that picture from afar, it looks funky, you know, it looks funky, especially when you consider all of the actions that Brian Kemp took post 2020 elections, including certifying an unlawful election, including turning the Georgia Bureau of Investigations on people who are trying to um, trying to protect our elections, trying to secure our elections. It's pretty bad, guys. Pretty bad. Tam Grell says, FBI, Zuckerberg, deep, they're all deep state and they're all the usual suspects. Indeed, indeed, indeed. But yeah, I just thought that was so peculiar. You know, it was so peculiar uh, to, to learn that about Brian Kemp, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I was like, you're kidding me, right? I mean, does no one else see the fix here, right? And then, of course, he and uh, Raffensperger are in cahoots. So uh, are, are Georgia governors term limited? Because I bet you Raffensperger will be the next governor if uh, these um, criminals are allowed to continue doing what they're doing. So anyhow, guys. Anyhow, well, looky here, ladies and gentlemen, looks like we actually finished up a little bit early tonight. <laughs> Thank you all again for being here on this edition of the Sea Report, America First news and headlines as curated by myself. We tend to, I tend to have an election focus uh, as I think that that is the cause of our times, you know? Uh, because without our elections, we don't have liberty. Our vote is more than our voice. Our vote is literally symbolic of our freedom, ladies and gentlemen, and never forget that. And that's why this is so important to people who are aware and concerned, or even just to people who are catching a hint that something's going on. At this point in the game, ladies and gentlemen, at this point in the game, people are aware something is going on, right? Something is off here, and it's not just Mercury retrograde, but let me tell you what. I don't believe in any of that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again. If you're live with us at uh, Rumble, thank you for being with us this evening. Make sure you follow and subscribe. Uh, give us a chance. You know, we do, uh, I do this show five days a week and I do a Texas news show three days a week on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays and uh, a late night talk show, you know, on the weekends called See in the Dark, ladies and gentlemen, where we can talk about those types of woo-woo issues, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Don't forget to stop by the creport.com, sign up for the mailing list, and uh, check out some of the articles there, most of which is original content. 
And uh, don't forget to also um, check out the C-section at pilled.net if you'd like to join the group for the C-report. Uh, we're currently working on a project over there um, uh, that is a uh, an experiment in self-governance, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, stay tuned for more details on that, or just join the C-section on pilled.net. And you can do that by going to pilled.net slash group slash 268, ladies and gentlemen. All right, guys, I think that's all that we got for now. Oh, wait, one more thing. Don't forget, subscribe, subscribe, follow, follow, follow. Find the C-Report and Mr. C-TV broadcasting on your favorite podcast platform and your favorite podcast app. And make sure you follow and subscribe, guys. Make sure you follow and subscribe. And don't forget, on Spotify, you're now getting the video, too. So you will see me live and in living color. I'm talking to you, Spotify audience. All right. Because we do have an audience. Thanks for being with us, by the way. Podcast, live stream, all good stuff. All right, guys. I think I'm done. And we're out. Uh, we'll be, we will, I will be back tomorrow with uh, another episode of Lone Star News at 3 p.m. Central, another edition of the Sea Report at 7.30 p.m. Central, and I'll be uh, hanging out with the bartender at uh, the Speak Uneasy channel for another edition of This Is News at 10 p.m. Central time. Yeah, Wednesdays are my busy days, ladies and gentlemen. But fortunately, uh, the last show of the night takes the edge off. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, you guys have a great night. Thank you again for joining me tonight in this episode, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. Till then, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. Have a great night, and thanks again. Let's talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're gonna die on this hill. We're gonna be gay and we're gonna rape our children no matter what you say, because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run see in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald man talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you've got your C-Report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do See in the Dark, which is a late-night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out. we got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. Woo! <laughs> oh no, it's Wretched Gretchen Whitmer! Check out the Political Truth Apparel line. Covefe. Rhino hunting season. Secretary of Snakes. And more to come. Fun. Fashionable. Edgy. Cational. 
go to Mr. C Online Store at www.thecreport.com. Click on the top right menu. Use coupon code 1776REBORN at checkout.